Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, it's just so good to be here again. So we love coming to you guys and visiting and seeing new faces, meeting new people. And um, we're having a lot of fun. So this is our last kind of moment with you guys. So we want to make it count. So I'm going to dance. No, I'm kidding. I was going to dance, but I've changed my mind. No. <laughs> um, I wanted to tell you a little bit of a testimony about... Um, really quickly just about um, my relationship with the Lord that kind of was for a long time looked a little different to people. Um, I'm, I had a um, face-to-face encounter with Jesus when I was about 15 years old and um, I got saved that night after I, I didn't know it was him. I just thought he was a really nice young man um, that came and sat next to me on the beach um, I, was, I knew my life had changed from that day on, and I knew as a 15-year-old, because you know, you're going through a lot of changes at that age, and there's a lot of confusion, and my parents had split, just split up. There was a lot of dramatic stuff going on in the house, and um, I knew that something had changed on the inside of me, and it wasn't just like a high feeling. You know, It wasn't just like, oh, I'm in a good mood. It was like a good mood that never went away. And... Um, so my life kind of changed at 15, which is, what, 40 years ago. Is that right? Yeah, it's 40 years ago. That's a long time. Um, have I had moments of disappointment? Absolutely. I've sometimes been so confused as to why things have happened in our lives, in other people's lives. I've had more questions sometimes than I've had answers. Um, but I, I have noticed one thing in the last 40 years of walking with Jesus, and that is, he's, he doesn't relate to people the way that people think that he does always. And that's been the undoing of my soul. That has been kind of, it's like, it's like unraveling for me still. It's like a journey or a story that is unraveling. And I know that God reveals himself to everybody in a different way. And to me, he came to me on the beach because it is one of my favorite places in the world. You know, I grew up in the Mediterranean, I'm Italian, and three months of pretty much every year, in the first six years, we would go and stay with my nonna, who lived at the ocean. They had this little ocean house, and they, had, they grew their vegetables, and it was a fantastic place. And so three months of every year was just, you know, because you get like summer holidays, like real summer holidays. Isn't that cool? Mediterraneans know how to have holidays, right? They have siestas for crying out loud. That's really cool, you know? Um... So I would spend time, so much time on the beach. I associated being with my dad as time on the beach because when he used to fly from or catch the train from Rome uh, to, the, to the ocean, he would be relaxed and I would see him be relaxed as he'd go fishing and spearfishing and he just loved doing that, come back with all these fish. And I thought, this is so much like Jesus. Later on, I'd look back and i go, that's just so much like Jesus to me, how he comes and meet us, meets us at the place where we can relate. So he is the most relatable personality that I know. And I know sometimes Christians aren't always that way. Do you know, sometimes we think we have to hover 
in order to appear spiritual. But, you know, Jesus was an earthly man who walked the streets. And um, it, it was in a, he had a, there was like a paradox to his life because he was both sought after and, and also ignored. You know, people think, well, he just had crowds follow him. Well, at the end, he only had like about 120. That's not a big church, people. I'm just saying. Um, he, people sought him for his gifts and his anointing, and his, they, could, they were um, magnetically attracted to him. There are parts of scriptures that describe him as saying he was at a certain house and he couldn't keep his presence a secret. What was that? His presence was so enigmatic. He, had, he just drew people in. People wanted to be around him. What is that about him? So there are many things that I've looked at about the Lord. And I thought, what am I going to leave with you guys? Because there's so much we could talk about. And so I, if, if you want a title, I'll call it Voice Like Water. Voice Like Water. That's how he is to me. To me, he's like a poet. He doesn't talk in straight rows. <laughs> And he doesn't even talk in rhyme most of the time. I mean, I love raps. I love listening to, you know, hip-hop and rap music. I love listening to how they string their words together and how sometimes they string really funny words. Have you listened closely to some raps? You think, yeah, you ran out of ideas right there, didn't you? hop to bop to bop bop and pop and, you know, they just make up words. They're like, what was that? That's, you just made that word up, like, just totally to work. I know what you did there because I'm like a songwriter. I know, you know. Um... So voice like water. So Jesus to me is somebody that um, emanates fluidity. He was able to relate to very rich people, and yet he was relatable to prostitutes. Like they didn't feel uncomfortable. They didn't say, we don't want to sit with you because you're, with, you're tight with the rich guys. There was no discrimination in his personality. He didn't know how to do that. I'm kind of telling you something to introduce you the concept that maybe we can love him like that and love people like that. There was no, he didn't see male or female. How's that for a revelation? <laughs> he just thought, you know, you're blokes. I could tell you stuff. I'll spend, you know, two or three years with these guys, these 12 guys. But hey, if you're a woman, you want to come sit and learn, I'll teach you the same stuff. So he didn't discriminate between men and women. He treated women with such respect, but he esteemed them enough to give them the secrets of his heart. When he says about Mary, you know, he says to Martha, hey, she's chosen something really important here. Like, you women are always going to be busy. But the reality is she's chosen something that she could have just ignored, but she actually had to make an effort and decide that she was going to be taught because in those days women weren't taught. So he restored people's cultural kind of, you know, stuff that you weren't supposed to do. He restored the sanity of people's hearts. Because if you're a woman, you, you can imagine what that would be like. Yeah? I mean, life has changed now. But, you know, even 50 years ago, we didn't have so much freedom, right? Okay, I, two women are convinced of this. They can be like, are you chained at home? I hope not. They let you out tonight, did they? I'm kidding. So, <clears throat> voice like water. So, I, when I read the Bible, I have to be honest with you, there are times where I get a little confused. And I felt the Lord say to me once, He said, you know, you're reading it like a regular book. This is not a textbook. He said, some of it is actually poetry. And he said, you know, if you don't read the word as liquid form, you, you, you get constipated. 
And, I'm, and that's as far as I'm going with any toilet humor, don't worry. But it becomes really stodgy and dry inside of you because you kind of read it and it has to be black and white for you. In fact, the fact that, that it's even in a book in black and white is not always helpful. We, you know, what, hap- what would happen if we designed a Bible that kind of was very different? I used to love my kids' Bibles because I thought they're far more fun. They've got pictures. I'm like, oh, wow, look how they drew Jesus. Now he doesn't really look like that. You know, and we talk about what Jesus looks like. Have you ever seen him? These are the kind of discussions we have with our kids because let's be real. I don't want to teach them, tell me what Philippians 3.19 says. Tell me what this is. Tell me what that is. Oh, good kids, you'll get stars now because you're great pastors' kids. We've never raised them like that. In fact, sometimes they'd embarrass us because people would say, they go, was that Moses or was that Noah, Mom? I'm like, shh, shh, not so loud, you know? You know, what are the questions they've asked? I have found that hearing their questions makes me understand more about what is relevant for today. And I just know this, that looking at just a little piece of, the, little piece of this world cake is that people want to experience People are hungry for an experience. How do we know that? What is social media? You're looking into everybody else's experiences and you want everybody else to know what your experience right now is. I mean, sometimes it's as lame as, look how lovely my cup of coffee is. Do we really care? Not really. Like, I wouldn't mind a coffee, but the fact that you got a picture of it, that does not help me right now, right? Why do we do that? Why do people do that? The preoccupation and the... And the I suppose to some obsession with social media is purely because people are hungry for an experience and they're desperate to connect. They're hungry for an experience and they're desperate to connect. So I started to think about all the things that disconnect. And I, the first thing that I thought of was, well, God's words, if they're just stuck in a book, that's separate from me. That's separate from an experience that I may be happening, having. And that might not be connecting me to a relationship. So I started to uh, hear his words like poetry. And he would show me things. He would say, you know, um, look at the book of Revelation. People think it's an end time book. He said, actually, it's a lot of it is poetry describing who I am and how I am. And he showed me things like you know, sometimes I'm described like fire. and Sometimes I'm described as water began to show me th- themes from the Bible and running his fingers right through the books really quickly because that makes Bible reading so much easier, right? Just having conversations with him. Now he would say, you know, in the book of Genesis, when there were two trees, for instance, it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? There were only two trees that... <clears throat> um, there was one tree that they weren't supposed to eat out of, right? But there were two trees that were mentioned. Okay, yeah. So I call it the tale of two trees. The one tree was just the knowledge of good and evil. And then it talks about the tree of life. In the book of Revelation, it, it talks about, it only mentions the, the tree of life again. And then it talks about this tree that grows on either side of a river. Have you ever seen that? like the same tree growing on either side. It might have happened, but not like to the, to the magnitude that it speaks of in this particular scripture. Are you, are, you, are you understanding where I'm going with this? If you read it, it says, there is a, a river running crystal clear, clear, and the tree of life is growing on either side of the river. 
well, does that mean there's two trees or is it one tree with roots on either side? Like, does the river run down the middle? What does that mean? And the Lord began to speak to me. He says, my water is the way that I speak. My words are what I say. And if you separate what I say from the way that I speak, you are disconnected from relationship with me. So that just helps you when you read the book of Revelation so that it doesn't seem so odd because sometimes things in the Bible seem a little odd. So I want to say to you, his voice is like water. His voice is like water. He's not line upon line, precept upon precept only. He's actually somebody that you can have conversation with. Sometimes people say to me, how do I know if he's really speaking to me? Let me tell you something. God's desire to communicate is greater than your desire to hear him. Really, like wildly so. You know how I know? Because if, if he was the kind of like, you know, you know you get personalities that don't want a lot of kids because they don't like a lot of noise? So they just have one. And that's okay. God's not like that. He's got so many kids. So his capacity for communication is way greater than your, than your ability to even hear him. He's saying way more. You know how we come to him and we pray and we've got so much to say? Like he just goes, oh, just, I, want, I want to talk back. People go, yeah, but that could be just you having a conversation with yourself. And I'm like, well, have you ever tried to do that? Because it's really a lot of fun just to, just to actually believe that the God who wrote a whole book would actually like to speak because the author has a voice. <laughs> he's not just a distant, he's not signing his name on your Bible like, come here, come here, honey. And he, you know, he signs it in an American accent. G. No. He's actually writing on the inside of you. Every time you're with them and you hear a couple of words whispered, even if it's just, hey, I really like you. Or like tonight to the young dancer, you know, you're so beautiful to me. I, mean, I would love to hear a song like that over me. Gee, that would be cool. I said to her, Do you, has that ever happened to you? Like, that's pretty cool for you, a song, you know? God's singing over you, don't you think? Because... When you hear those whispers, when you hear those words, he's writing them on the inside of you. You'd never forget that. What are you mostly made of? Ta-da. He's writing in water. Water has memory. If you do a study on water, it's absolutely incredible. They've done experiments where they actually have water and they've... Um, watched under a microscope, they'll have even a label on the outside, one saying ugly and the other one saying beautiful. On the ugly one, the, when they freeze it, they actually, the, the molecules have a weird, like, chaotic design and the other one looks like a snowflake or like a love heart. It's incredible. You can look it up. YouTube, it's incredible. Or any of those things. Google. Google is my best friend. So, <laughs> um, you're, you're made mostly of water. And so water... <clears throat> he speaks like water. Hey, I also had a bit of a healing. I came here very sick, and I got the elders to lay hands. The Bible says, call for the elders. So I called them. I said, hey, they were just like two meters away. I said, please pray for me, and, the, and I am so much better. So good. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this phone work better. 
So I wanted to sing you a song. I haven't sung it anywhere before. It's like a poem, and I heard the tune tonight, so I'm going to sing it for you. Is that all right? No instruments. Should we try this? This is so scary, but that's okay. You can listen, and I'll be the scared one. <laughs> so you can close your eyes. That'll help me. Don't start snoring, please. If you're a snorer, just somebody nudge them. All right. It's called, O Ink of My Soul. O ink of my soul, I blink as I follow. The tip of your voice is filling the hollow. Make room for a king, the tongue of a wise man, the sword of a kinsman draws me to follow. And deep to the heart, reshape my intention, telling the story that never got mentioned, turning the pages for those who will listen, transparent to the end, paper thin soul, my friend. And find me enclosed in the lines of your letter. Read what I'm thinking, for you know me better. As long as you write me in live illustration, your voice like water, I drink in full color. And I will run with the legs of a river, see with the eyes that are crystal clear. And you, I will flow like a million fountains. Your voice like water is right here. Your voice like water is here. Yeah, that's it. So, um, I want to tell you... A mini testimony then of what happened after. I, um, I grew up in a family of musicians, but we weren't allowed to play instruments. So I actually never learned one until I left home. Um, I had three months of elementary kind of trying to learn to read music. And they, mom, it was a friend of my mom's and she kind of gave up on me. She says, no, nah, you just, I don't think this is your thing. <laughs> Stick to dancing. And so I trained in dancing and I never trained in music. So how's that? That should encourage some of you. <laughs> um, and, um, but when I, when I uh, became a Christian at 15, one of the things I started to hear was tunes and, and songs. And I became quite taken with the way that music could affect people. You know, I'm, I'm a lot older than some of you guys, so I grew up listening to a lot of the Beatles, a group called Bread, which is becoming actually quite a lot popular now. Like, they were just great tune makers. And I loved the fact that they could tell a story with, with a tune. And so I've, I've watched the journey of... of even the latest kind of music, you know, the, the popular, cold, you know, when Coldplay came out, what was it about Coldplay that people loved? Their, their, their dance themes and the fact that there was always a hope theme and there was some beautiful harmonics. And I just thought that is like how God speaks. Have you ever listened to bands and thought they don't know God yet, but they're singing like God would? You know, there is something of their sound. And so I don't really listen to only Christian music. I like to listen to music that I like. And I want to encourage you, like, if you want to get close to God, don't put lousy music on and go, I've got to listen to this, you know. Listen to music that you like and just be with Him. It just is. I mean, I enjoy that. I don't just dance to... It's hard getting really cool Christian music. 
It really is, you know. Then you, you get tired of the same one. Find music that is really good where there's great instrumentation and challenge yourself because the area of sound, you know, is so powerful. And I've watched crowds of like thousands and thousands of people that will go to all kinds of mosh pits just to see their favorite band. And the way they stick their hands up with their phones and they do their thing with their lights, and it's like worship. So many times when I've had visions and I've seen the Lord, it's kind of like that. Everyone is right there in the mosh pit around his throne with their hands up just the same way. And so worship and loving him, the prophetic song and everything that we say, people go, well, what's the difference between a normal song that we just learn or listen to on a CD or on the radio and a song that's prophetic? And I've, what I have experienced is that there is so much already written music that we can actually read. And I don't actually even read music, but I hear it. So when we go into new songs, I'm actually hearing sounds. I'm hearing rhythms. I'm hearing the words. I'm actually experiencing it. It feels like it comes out of me. Like if you squeeze me, another song might come out. And so the presence of God is actually musical. And not just that. It's actually the presence of God has beauty in it. That's why I don't like lousy music. I just don't listen to it. Because <laughs> I don't think that represents God, you know. All right? In fact, anything badly done doesn't really represent God, you know. I love the fact that we can do things excellently and beautifully and present things well because I think that represents God well, you know. And as long as we don't make that the God, that's okay. Because God is not perfect. He's beautiful. God is not like perfect as in presentation perfect. He is just magnificent beyond our presentation, right? So the prophetic song, um, I, um, I was mentored by an Australian girl when I was in my early 20s, and she would come up in our church and she would sing these songs, and I was so touched by the way that the way she sang brought instantaneously the presence of God into the room, and I said, God, I, I want to learn from this girl, and so I would literally follow her everywhere, I'll carry her handbag, I'll come and make tea for you, I'll do anything, like I just really learned so much from her, um, and um, hmm, way too from here. I have five minutes left. I'm watching that clock. <laughs> um, the thing about God is that He'll use you in something that you could be good at, but yet you need Him in order to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? And it. So I don't know how to lean on a gift because if I did, I probably would only dance because that was my training. For me to continue to play requires a continual leading, a, a yielding to God. And so <clears throat> my testimony is really that every day I just surrender again. And I don't follow the, the trends. I don't go, what are people doing at 55? Because that's depressing. It's seriously depressing. I go past tea parties and I'm like, I'm not ready for that. I just so I'm like ten years away from that. But what else could we do? So I've you know, I joined gymnastics a year ago and I just thought, yeah, this is what we should be doing. I broke my toe, I nearly snapped my back in two, but hey, that's what happens when you try and do a flip. Why not? Because I'm I'm not trying to push the boundaries. I just see things differently. 
And God speaks to me differently. He doesn't ever say to me, now, honey, now that you're getting older, you need to tone it down a little. You need to be more relatable. You need to start knitting. You need to start heading to the back and just quietening down a little bit and being a real grandmother. You know, I hold up little Milo. He's like five or six months. And I say, hey, you're going to have such fun with me. We might break all the rules, but hey, we're going to have fun. That's one thing that I do know. Is that the other thing about God is not only a poet, but he's the most fun personality I ever hang out with. And he has a sense of humor. Like people that don't have a sense of humor actually frighten me. It's probably the only thing that really frightens me. It's like you have no humor. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand. God is so funny. He actually takes the Mickey out of us all the time. He's constantly saying, lighten up. Don't take yourself so seriously. And what's the problem? And you, have you ever noticed, like, I mean, you know, when we were, when we were woof, woof. Okay, I'm back now. Um, it's just testing. Um, when we were uh, parenting, our first two, we parented our last two very differently, which they often remind us and say, hey, that's not fair. You're more fun now than what you were with us, you know. But our youngest ones, if we get really ticked off about something, we don't raise our voices anymore. We might just say, da, 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 and Zach will just laugh in my face. He's 12 years old. He goes, Mom, you are so funny when you get cross. It's like hilarious. I'm like, this is not supposed to be happening. This is the moment where you actually respect me. And then we both start laughing. You see, what he, what he has learned is that he can respect me without being frightened. Because we think God gets serious, and then we need to be scared. Let me tell you what the enemies are terrified by. God's laughter. <laughs> laughter terrifies people. Actually, it really does terrify people sometimes when it happens in church because like, people shouldn't be that happy. It should only be in a comedian room because that, when you go to a comedy show, people should laugh. It's amazing. I've never seen people in comedy shows start laughing and then people at the back run, walk out. I've never seen that. Amazing, isn't that? So sometimes I wonder if we should just change the names of our churches and just say, this is the comedy hall. Come in, you just come sit down and we have, and we have some comedy. Like, let's have stand-up gospel preachers. Let's, let's have some more of those fun people that we Google when we're bored. You know, we go, have you heard of that funny guy? Why do we do it? Because we know that God is funny. God is funny. And not only that, but I tell you what, he will never, ever belittle you. God's humor is never belittling. It's always really, really fun. It's never sexual. It's never, it's never violating anyone's boundaries. His voice is beautiful, and his voice is like water, and the banks are your desire for him. The banks of your river of how much do you really want to know him? Because he wants to be known. He wants to talk. He wants to hang out. He wants to flow through you. People say, oh, yes, we're just river people. The river just runs through us. It's like, well, he's actually a beautiful crystal clear river. If you speak and people don't understand what you're saying, it's not real clear, right? The thing about God's voice is that he's very clear. It doesn't mean that you always understand but it does mean that its clarity comes as you walk with him. So I, I want to appeal to you. I want to appeal to anybody who doesn't know him yet. 
ask him to come into your life. That's all I did. I didn't even pray in a meeting. I went home and I said, God, if you're real, I want, I want to know you. I want to know you like you know me. And um, he has, I've had so many encounters with him. Um, our kids have encounters with him. We dream. We have visions. They're not, it's not strange. Here's another interesting thing is that the more non-Christians I meet, especially in the dance world, is they're longing for an experience of God. The thing they're most fascinated by is dreams. Do you know people just want to talk about the stuff they dream about? You know, it's, that's going to be happening. What does the Bible say? He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. He didn't say, I'm throwing books. I'm opening the heavens and I'm just throwing books here. Mind, mind where you go, you know. He says, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. He didn't say into the church. He said on all flesh. What will happen? People are going to start dreaming. They're going to have visions. They're going to see things they don't understand. And so something that I want to help people with tonight after we pray is that I'd love to pray for those that have dreams and, um, and have visions. Or if you've never had a dream or a vision, you say, hey, I wouldn't mind to have an experience like that. You know. So get ready for an encounter of God because he doesn't speak English only. He speaks water. He speaks nature. You go for a walk and you look at the changing trees or the snow and you think, man, why is that so beautiful to me? Why do I want to ski on this? Because he made it for you. He speaks nature. And that's why it says, you know, that his creation pours forth speech. Creation speaks. It's a language. He speaks children. You just ask, hang out with kids. You'll find out more about God than anything else. They're so honest. You've got a boogie sticking out your nose, you know, like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, they're so refreshingly honest about how they're experiencing God. And I believe that we're going to see more and more children speak, about, speak up about their faith and have encounters with God. It's just the most powerful thing to see. I'm touched every time I see God pouring out His Spirit on kids and young people, like little ones. I'm talking about really little. And um, it's going to happen again. I really do, do feel that's going to happen. I think that it's going to be common in families to experience God, you know, to have Bible readings, but to actually experience them and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Why don't we just experience that? You know, so it's, it's as real as you sitting around a table and instead of just having a menu in front of everybody saying, thank you, Lord, for, for this menu that we're about to receive, may you make us truly thankful. And everyone starts cutting the menu. You don't do that, do you? What do you do? You eat the actual food that has a recipe. And so the food that you're eating, the food that you're tasting, that you're partaking on as a family is the experience. That's what you remember. You don't remember the recipe. You remember the experience of hanging out with people and food, don't you? That's how God wants you to experience him, that you would experience him and remember who he is. That's why he made it visual. My body is broken like this bread. That's why he made it visual, right? Are you good? Are you good with that? Awesome. So I'd like to pray. Is that okay if we pray for people? If you, um, yeah. Ooh. If you want to have a dream or a vision and you'd like that to happen to you, you can stand up and we'll pray. It's as simple as that. Thank you, Lord.
Yeah, so Lord, we just thank you. Sometimes it helps just to hold your hands like that. That's cool. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are a wonderful personality, that you are so um, flexible, that you know how to reach every people group, every culture, every nation under earth. You know how to reach. Thank you that you're not just English. (laughs) Thank you that you're speaking to us in so many ways, but we're longing for more of you. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd pour out your spirit on us. We don't just want to hear it in a song, but we want that song to be real to us. We want to experience you as that personality, that person who speaks to us when we're quiet, that person that speaks to us when we're exercising or just out and about with you, that you're the one who draws alongside of us and shows us things that we didn't see before. So we ask you to open our hearts to you, and we even open our own hearts to you. We just welcome you, and we say you're welcome in our lives, not just in our meetings. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome in our vehicles. You're welcome in our relationships. You're welcome when we are looking at the paper or reading something in a computer, that you're welcome there. Show us things that we didn't know before. Help us to do studies on all sorts of things that you're showing us beauty about. Thank you for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your voice is so beautiful. Thank you. We thank you for dreams. Thank you that you're pouring out a dream language onto people that's We just thank you for visiting us in the night that you come to us, or even when we nap, that you come to us with such um, mysterious ways. Help us to find a language for what you're saying to us. Help us to come after you so that we can get what you're saying. Thank you that you want to speak. Your desire is to connect with us. Your desire is for us to experience you. So we thank you for that, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly.